Hello and welcome to Business Unmuted, a business discussion broadcast live on LinkedIn and available to download from all the best podcast sites. As ever, Business Unmuted is sponsored by Virtue BMW, which is part of Gateshead-based Virtue Motors PLC. If you're in the market for a new, used or fleet vehicle, its dealerships are in Stockton, Durham, Sunderland, Moulton or York. I'm back from my trip to America, fresh and revitalised, ready to talk with some great guests and it was great to meet my daughter, Helen. I haven't seen Helen for over two years so I'm really pleased to have been able to get over to the States. Thanks to Mike Hughes and Josh Havakin for keeping the seat warm. Now, today's guests joining me in the studio is Fraser Brown, Managing Director of Motivise. Down the line, we have the founder of UK Business Forums, the UK's biggest community for small business owners. That's Richard Osborne and Mike Hutchinson, Managing Director of NTG Precision Engineering, which is based in Tyne and Weir. But first, let's look at some data. Inflation's hit a 30-year high of 5.5%. Lots of household running costs have contributed to that increase. Uh, Productivity is up 2.3% above pre-pandemic levels. That was a good bit of data. Workplace innovations and efficiencies have been driven by the pandemic, no doubt. And today it was announced that a further 108,000 people have joined payrolls in January, taking the UK to a record employment of 29.5 million individuals. So in the end, we had unemployment down a little and inflation up a little. Let's see what our guests think about the state of the nation as it is. Let's go to Richard Osborne first. What do you think and what do your members think about the issue of inflation? The inflation's there's only it's only going one way when you look at it because with inflation as you just mentioned the cost of living's going up the biggest contributors to that is your household bills your food and we all know energy as well has got a massive impact so then you have that you, you your employees come to you for pay rises cost of living pay rises and i know some of the members of ukbf there's a straw poll run and they're looking about 8% sort of pay rises have been given. Yes, so that's interesting because got... the data says across the board it's been less than 4%. Yeah. So you, they're, 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 the smaller firms are giving higher rises. They are. And, the, and that's part to do with having to retain staff as well, which is a, an issue, another separate issue perhaps. So you have increased wage costs. Now, if you imagine your supply chain have also had the same issues, they've put their prices uh, they put their prices up because they've had the same increase in costs. Then as a small business in particular, you're having to, your margins are being, you know, your EBITDA, your net profits being squeezed. And that's how a lot of small business owners take their drawings. So you then have to put your prices up so you can pay your own mortgage. It's only spiraling one way. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I remember the 80s and people throwing a their keys back at mortgage companies because they couldn't pay, make the mortgage payments when interest went well, up that high. I remember the 70s and being sent as a young <laughs> boy to the supermarket by my mother to buy cans of beans because the prices were going up and there, there were multiple sticky labels of different prices on the canned goods yeah. as prices went up uh, in the shops. But I mean, inflation is a cruel, quiet thief, isn't it? It can steal yeah. your savings and it can destroy your job. But in the end, uh, people are having a good old whinge about national insurance going up by one but this is a tax on all of us of uh, over 5% of inflation's uh, the numbers it's at now. So the the actual tax rise is tiny compared to the inflationary effect. 
It is, but it all compounds on top of each other when you add them all in. And at the end of the chain is the consumer, the public, who if, you know, they're your employees, they're also the business owners. And if they can't afford to live and they're trying to get more money, it's, the, it's only going one way. And if I was to have a crystal ball, I think by the t this time, you know, next year or the end of this year, something big's going to happen. All right, let's put let's put other people on the screen. Let's let's talk to Mike now. Look, when, let's just wrap on this inflation. Let's go go round the round the room on on inflation. We've we've got the situation where we've just we've just heard Richard talking about uh, wage rises, but if wage rises are given at the lower amount, it will force people to spend some of their savings, and there are huge amount of savings. Uh, in people's bank accounts. If people were in work during the pandemic, uh, even if they were on uh, furlough, people were able to save because the uh, cost of actually living was less. You didn't go out and buy things and spend things because it was closed. So uh, a combination of savings and pay increases is causing more money to be chasing fewer goods. And surely that means interest rates go up. There's, there's no... Mike... Fraser, Fraser okay. first. I think there's a few things to put into perspective here. All you hear on the news at the moment is doom and gloom. There's actually some good news in amongst all of this. Uh, we've seen productivity uh, get better for the first time in a very, very long time. One of the things that we've witnessed is that many of the car dealerships that we work with have invested in systems to remove paper, remove people, mm -hmm. to automate processes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the incentives that the Chancellor's put in place lately have been very, very helpful for businesses. Uh, you know, think about the, um, uh, the, the R&D tax credits. All of that work that's been going on over the past few years is starting to take effect. Combine that with the fact we've had a reduction in unemployment um, and, and undoubtedly the inflationary pressures that we're seeing are based on fuel prices, they're based on the cost of transport. Look at the cost of getting a transport, transporting a container from China. The cost of transporting a container from China has gone up tenfold nearly in the last 12 months. So, so all of these pressures are world pressures and I do not think we're going to see the crash at the end of the year. I think what we're going to see is the Bank of England and world economies getting inflation back under control in the middle part of 2022, we will start to see inflation becoming very sensible again. The key thing to say about um, the uh, wage inflation, we are very clearly seeing that people remaining in the same position are not seeing huge hikes in pay. We're not seeing that. What we are seeing is poaching costs. So to get me to leave my organisation and go to another organisation, we're seeing huge incentives. And that's where the wage inflation is currently being shown, where you are taking somebody from one organisation to another. What we haven't seen to date is huge increases in pay for people remaining in the same organisation in the automotive sector. It's a fair point, uh, well made. And also, there are some things that will fall out of inflation. In the inflation figures we've just seen announced today, uh, in, in the middle of February, there was the increase in VAT on eating out. Now, that's never going to happen again. There we are. Uh, Mike, what about you? You're in uh, manufacturing, high-end manufacturing. Uh, how, how are you dealing with these issues? I mean, what we're saying, obviously, is every, everything whether it's uh, in supply chain, whether it's uh, materials, uh, whether it's internally, we're, we're going to see those pressures rising. In some cases, we have no option but to try to have to, to pass those on. And in some cases, you can do that. And I think there is an expectation within, the, within our customer base that that is going to happen. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I'm, I agree with um, I agree that uh, 
I don't think we'll see the ultimate crash. I think it, what will happen is there'll be an adjustment. And actually, one of the benefits of the increasing inflation, increasing costs, is it drives you to be more to to drive for the investment that you know, some, certainly a company like ourselves, where we rely on capital investment to really drive productivity as well. I think the the fact that you're seeing inflation will also drive us to do more in terms of that investment because I think that's the only way for us to continue to stay ahead. Um, so I think that the, the the activities that the government are taking in terms of being able to incentivize investment is a positive thing. Um, I also think that uh, things like the increasing um, container costs coming from China. I think you're right. It's a it's a global it's a global activity, and those those transport costs end up adding a cost to try to source from the from uh, from the Far East. So as a manufacturer, we are seeing an element of reshoring back into the UK. I can't say it's completely widespread yet, but certainly with an element of issues around customs, around transport, around global costs going up, you will start to see an element of reshoring. And that's, that has got to be a positive thing for the UK. Uh, certainly in my own business, what we're seeing is that generally the market in the, in, the, in the sectors we serve is really positive at the moment. And we're certainly seeing you know, order books rising from, from all our customer base, which is really, really positive. And certainly the sentiments are positive too. And if you talk in, this, in, the, in the sort of a capital, in, capital um, equipment market where we would have to go to get, our, to get a further investment, you know, that, that is also, they're also seeing significant uh, investment going on, which, is, which has got to be a positive thing. So okay. uh, the, the challenge, I think, is for us all to not let inflation, you know, wage inflation uh, escalate too far. We need to be, we believe we pay well. But we also need to we also need to say make sure that we ret- can retain our our highly skilled in- employees. You know we are a, a capital and skills intensive business, and therefore you know it's important that we are able to maintain both the, the investment in our in our um, equipment, but also in our people as well. And we you know we have to be able to make sure that the wages don't are, are competitive and continue to be competitive, but don't go out of control. I think it's a fascinating point. Um, we've all talked about in this this little segment wage inflation, and and certainly your point about poaching costs is is, is well taken. I think maybe opinion here that Andrew Bailey, the Government of the Bank of England, made a tactical mistake about four weeks ago when he started to talk about people not uh, suppressing wage wage claims. It's not the Government of the Bank of England's business how much you pay your staff. What really the conversation should be from from management is to discuss productivity. Yeah. Uh, the, only, the only real wage increase is one that's based on productivity. And perhaps people have forgotten the meaning of the word and these conversations about productivity are very rarely entering uh, the general media and, uh, and business environment. What do you think? Uh, what do you think about that, Richard? The, uh, well, first of all, I, I agree with your comment about um, the Bank of England, the statements around um, cap- wages and not, people just not pushing for the wage. I also agree with what Fraser says about the cost of retaining staff and the, basically the poaching. That's, we're seeing a lot of that in software development, which mm-hmm. is part of what we're involved in, and trying to retain people, especially in the new sort of working way of hybrid working, there was always a challenge of competing with London firms, particularly in the tech, fintech sector. Mm. Now you're competing um, nationally and internationally because the wages are growing up internationally around that. And that's driving significantly increased salaries. Productivity, um, 
is an interesting one because I had a look at some of the sort of the grass produced by ONS when we, particularly when we go back um, sort of during the COVID time, when you look at sort of the gross value added and you see the expected dip uh, during COVID and then you see the expected dip in hours worked as you would because the furlough and productivity was down, a lot of businesses did close. But then halfway through the pandemic, you see the output per hour skyrockets. So when you start to look underneath the productivity numbers themselves, uh, that increase in output per hour from those who are working hasn't um, dropped down proportionally, I feel. Yeah. So that ties in. I'd again nod so that, towards... So in other words, uh, the productivity gain of the pandemic has now been banked in the economy? Yes, but also you could always argue that people are either working harder or more efficiently touching on what Fraser said a moment ago about efficiencies being brought in within the motor industry you see that across the board a lot of businesses have been forced to become more productive uh, they've been forced to try and run um, on a shoestring in some cases which drives that economy and productivity and then we see the benefit of it when you draw a line over the past few years productivity is following a consistent trend so I think we're kind of on a par with where we should expect to be but we are seeing significant improvements in productivity from a smaller workforce driven by what I think the past couple of years have taught business. I think that's fascinating, Richard. Can I just ask you a comment, any of you, about the difference between white collar and blue collar productivity? Now, Mike is running a precision engineering business and, you know, productivity traditionally means a sort of time and motion, you know, how much, uh, how much, uh, how much uh, time a, a machine is running, how, what's the capacity of the factory. Uh, it, productivity is a, a common thing in precision engineering. But what about accountancy? My mm. own business is going to a new type of accountancy software that intelligently links people paying their invoices to the bank. And, and suddenly there's a whole series of checks that have been done automatically. Yeah. Uh, what about um, productivity in the NHS? We don't have the staff necessarily, but the operating theatres don't work uh, through the night, for instance. What about productivity in the local authority? Uh, I was uh, buying a house. My wife has been buying a house. Uh, uh, and uh, it's taken three times as long to get the search results through as a result of the pandemic. So there are lots of other areas of productivity that can be looked at that maybe aren't right at the front line in business. Comments on that? So, for example, in the motor industry, we've seen the number of cars sold per salesperson go up from around 16 to about 19 as an average. And some businesses that have really moved, removed paper and invested in systems like Motodat, which mm. really automates things and use, uh, utilizes artificial intelligence, they've gone from kind of 16 to 26 car sales per salesperson. And what that then does by having really good systems that you've invested in, is it enables the salesperson to really focus on what they're good at, which is the human skills. Yeah. So we give customers superb customer experiences, rather than spending time typing bits into a paperwork, you've got a system that's automatically ingested the lead from the web, because it all links together through integration, and then automatically populates an order form, and the customer literally puts an e-sig on it, and then everything's done. Instead, historically, you'd have spent reams and reams of paper, up to 17 signatures, mm. to buy a car. Yeah. Um, so, you know, by removing all of that paperwork and investing in technology, using the R&D tax credits available at the moment, it gives businesses an unprecedented opportunity to improve productivity from a, a white-collar perspective rather than the blue-collar. 
Great. Okay, can I just, just slightly change the subject? Um, as we came on the programme live on Wednesday, uh, I checked the oil price and it's $95 a barrel, which is pretty high. Not quite 100, 95 Brent crude, three o'clock on the 16th of February. Of course, if um, Russia does invade Ukraine, the likelihood is that that will scale up possibly beyond $100. There'll be temporary, there'll be crashes and all sorts of things on the stock exchange. And I, I just wonder to what extent these, these big global things are worrying people in our conversation today. Mike, what do you, what do you think, particularly about the, the, the Ukraine situation? Is it something that alarms you, that, that you could see there's a connectivity between your own business and what's happening geopolitically? I'd like to think it's not going to happen, um, but uh, maybe, that's, maybe that's slightly naive. But I think the... Uh, the, the Certainly, the, the the rise in the uncertainty is driving oil price, which is going to drive is going to drive a, a, an exploration. You know, it's going to drive further exploration. People are going to want to take advantage of that, and we are linked to the oil and gas sector to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. um, I I would like to think that, um, that there's a lot of saber rattling going on. That the uncertainty is perhaps is destabilizing to a certain extent, but at the same time. It's also causing inve further investment in, in the UK and predominantly our business at the moment is UK focused. So, you know, that is a positive. You know, I'm not saying the, no, the, that, the you know, that is a very good point. At any time that the oil price is high, the supply chain gets active, doesn't it? Correct. Correct. Um, you know, in, in every se in every sector now, you know, obviously, and I think also it brings what Fraser was saying earlier, the, the, the challenges of cost actually drives you to then think, blimey, the high, you know, the costs are high. How do we how do we how do we get more efficient? And I think the whole, you know, as these costs escalated, it's something that manufacturing industries have done for years, which is to drive that productivity piece, um, you know, at, at a very detailed process level. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it's just going to continue. So as costs rise, inflation rises, it, it, it drives you to be more innovative. Mm. And the people that survive are the people that are the most innovative, in, in, in my view. The, the only challenge then is obviously where you need to invest and you have to, you, you've got significant sums to invest in certain areas that, that ideally that the, the sort of government can help support and, and uh, in whatever way, whether that's tax breaks, whether that's through, through grants, through incentives, local incentives, you know, all of that is positive to encourage investment and let, let, the, let the innovators and let the, let the entrepreneurs get moving. Richard, there's a lot of positivity in this discussion today. How do you feel about the issue uh, with Ukraine? Do you feel that similarly that if you, there's nothing you can do about it, so let's just get on with it, or the, is it something you're anxious about? No, not anxious about it. As, as Mike just said, obviously, hope it doesn't happen, and there will be ramifications in the sense, well, not right, wrong choice of words, but knock-on effects from it happening. The What I would feel would be the worst outcome or what could create the most is, and I'll, I'll blame the aspects of the media on this, is how it is portrayed. Yeah. The media has a massive influence on how people behave and all it would take is the wrong wording of a certain news stories to trigger panic buying at petrol stations again or, um, or, or stocking up and that then leads to knock-on problems that affects everybody. Um, actually, whether it you know whether Russia invades or not is not even coming into the conversations within our own community, yeah. within the UKBF's community. Um, it's not at the forefront of everybody's mind as in what we're talk they're talking about and the challenges they're facing day to day. They are still real world, typical, normal business challenges. 
So no, not losing sleep over it, not panicking. Obviously, hope it doesn't happen. You never really know what's going on in the conversations behind closed doors uh, themselves. Um, but my greatest concern isn't to do with what Russia happens with Ukraine, but actually what is printed in the media that yeah. then triggers what, how the pub, you know, people, members I, of the public behave around it. I share that view, and I think that sentiment is very important, and quite a few uh, journalists run, run our national broadcasters sometimes for, for purposes of entertainment value as much as anything, maybe overstate things. Look, Fraser, Richard, Mike, thank you for the, talking to us today. Great positive comments on some of the issues. And just to end on a positive note, um, if Russia was to invade Ukraine, it's possible there would be a stock market problems and so on. But The Spectator has a piece uh, that was published online today, the 16th of uh, February, that says, actually... Of the 28 most significant geopolitical events of the last 100 years, the stock markets of the world have all recovered to become higher six months after on 19 of the 28. That includes 9-11, after President Kennedy was assassinated, the Suez Crisis, and even after North Korea invaded South Korea. So precedent suggests we should be positive and not alarmed. Thank you for joining us on Business Unmuted. We'll see you next week when I'll have the National Chief Economist for HSBC Bank in the studio.